another exciting edition of your favorite podcast, Hindsight is Horrifying. I am one of your hosts, Jason Mitchell. And I'm the other host, Darth Jader. And we've got a guest. Woo! Yay! Who have we got today, Jason? Oh. Oh, it's you. Uh, it sounds like an atom. Do we not have any other friends? One of three of the atoms, and this one happens to be old Adam. Oh, I don't know. I'm actually doing pretty good. I got one now. That's, you know. Yeah, you won what? You won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you're, you're a co-worker. I don't consider you a friend. No, we're just <laughs> colleagues. I consider you an acquaintance at best. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm the one who's allowed to text you in the room, so, you know. I've begun routing my text to Darth Jader, by the way. I got the hint at our last meeting. Do not text me uh, ever again. But yeah. um, so I, I have a thing when I hear the text noise, <laughs> I just, I, I start to scream. I don't know. I sent you a Batman model the other day. I figured that was a <gasps> decent enough text. Well, because here's the thing. Okay. I saw it and I liked it. And I should have just. But it didn't require any action yeah, on your part. Exactly, I knew you yeah, saw it and liked exactly. it. That's all I needed to know. I didn't need you to react to it. I just knew that if I didn't text it to you, I would forget to tell you about it. So that's it. Well, with that said, we... we what a thrilling beginning to this episode. Excellent beginning. Um, we are talking about something that's a little different for us. A little I think. off the beaten track. Yeah, a little yeah. off the beaten path. Um, the story is we were going to do a movie that um, is not available on Amazon or YouTube or Netflix or, or Hulu, Hulu or, or anywhere, anywhere yeah. you can stream legally, listeners. And we found that out the day before uh, we were going to roll, so yesterday. Yes, because I'm, I'm apparently the only one who prepares more than 24 hours in advance. <laughs> so, it's got to be fresh. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah really yeah. fresh. I Not usually everyone. watch it the day of. I know, that's the point. If I hadn't have said something yesterday, we would have been in a <laughs> bit of a bind, so I'm glad I discovered that. Well, so I came up with an alternative uh, yes, movie. Yes, you did, Hines um, Yes, he did. But that movie also wasn't available <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to do a creepy alien movie uh, because we were going to be doing the movie Life Force, which we're, I'll find it somewhere. And we're from gonna, the clips yeah. I could see on YouTube, it sounds like I was spared for a, cha- a change with you two in the studio. So I get a little vacation this week. Yeah. Listeners. Well, you know, it's got a hot topless Italian woman and Patrick Stewart kissing a man. So, Shocking. you know, what? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's got it all. Dear God. <laughs> I'm titillated. Um, so now this movie's going to sound boring by comparison. Well, I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. We are we are not doing the Christopher Walken movie Communion either because that's not available anywhere. Jason's so obscure, guys. He loved all these movies before they were cool. Yes. And um, after they were even screened because nobody can find them. Right. So. No, they, they, they don't exist. So I, I wanted to find a good, scary UFO movie, and I selected the, uh, the movie Fire in the Sky. Which is here's the thing, Hindsiders. I'm pretty sure Jason thought this movie was going to scare the lights out of me, and I think he's lost some very valuable perspective here because he's made fun of me for being scared of uh, Sleepy Hollow, Mars Attacks, all these number, this number of movies. She was that, scared of Mars Attacks because I, I was know. a child when these movies came <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, I'm still scared of shivers. <laughs> Don't even start with me on that damn movie. Parasites that make a beeline for an orifice. Oh dear God! Sorry. Anyway, cruising right past that. There's much less orifice penetration in this movie, <sighs> but there's implied. There, orifice no, 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 yeah, it's it, implied. It, well, there I was is about one, to say there's definite orifice. Yeah, it, it does happen once. <laughs> there's definite probing, just not the type that you would expect, Hindsiders. Yes, yes. So there's that at the very least. But Jason was teasing me a little bit. He said that I should watch this movie 
in the dark by myself and I was like, oh Jesus, what am I what am I in for now? <laughs> Dear God in heaven save me. But no, this movie actually didn't scare me at all. So it was it was fine. Well the um the movie itself, I actually remembered it being scarier because and we'll get to it, but the the end of the movie is very intense. The last probably about half hour of the movie is yes, very, it does very it takes a while to get there. But yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Well, let's okay. So this is uh, uh, this movie was made or it came out in 1993. Yes, uh, it stars Robert Patrick of Terminator 2 fame and James Garner, not and to be Mr. mixed up James with Jim Gar- Rockford. Yes, so easy to get mixed up. <laughs> yes, James Garner is in it uh, as a uh, a detective. Big, mm-hmm. Huge surprise, big stretch for him. There's a lot of talent. A, yeah. I hate a bolo clad detective. Yeah, from biggest, Montana. <laughs> biggest acting stretch of his career, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and Elliot from ET. Holy God, that was Elliot. You didn't really? No. It's Elliot. Yeah. Which guy is it? The one that looks like Elliot. No, now that no, now that you said it, I know. But oh my God, I think I think the character he plays in Fire in the Sky is George. I think that was his name. I don't even remember, but yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about now that you said it. This is an interesting movie, Elliot. though. Because and it's the second movie that he was in with uh, an, Aliens. An extraterrestrial. Yeah. yeah. More probing in this one. Uh, yes, decidedly less probing. No glowing fingers. No glowing fingers, though. There you go. Just a probe. No Spielberg uh, (laughs) budget on this movie, for sure. We should start out by saying that this is a movie that uh, begins with the uh, moniker based on a true story. I was going to ask you that because you are never a fan of that. Uh, When we did The Conjuring, you were just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Based on a quote-unquote true story. Like the Amityville Horror. Yeah. Yes, we discussed that on that episode. Mm -hmm. This this movie is based on a true story. It's based on... According to Travis Walton. Well, yeah, it's based on a 1972 UFO abduction case. I thought it was 75. It was 75? Yeah, yeah. 1970. Oh, that's right. It was 92 was in the movie. Came Get out. it Sorry, together. Yeah. Didn't you pick this movie? <clears throat> My God. So 1975, Travis Walton and some of his friends, co-workers, they were, they were lumbermen. They were doing a contract, government contract. Yeah, they're just colleagues. Out. They don't text each other. No. <laughs> Especially not in the 70s. The rates were ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah. The roaming up in the mountains must have been something insane. It was a group of about seven. They they made the group of people in the movie smaller. Six. They made it six to uh, yeah. leave less names and faces to memorize for the yeah. audience. Yeah, which, which at first sounds like it's not that big of a difference, but it actually does work better, I think, with six people. But basically... You're only invited to round out yeah. the numbers. The story is that Travis Walton and his co-workers were cutting lumber. They, they, they were deep in the woods somewhere, got into the truck to come home, as they were coming home, they saw a giant red glowing light that they said looked like a fire in the sky. They yeah, they moving. thought it was either hunters with headlights or something that yeah. attracted them to the site, yes. They soon saw a UFO. Yeah. Travis Walton got out of the truck. Once again, like yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, and that's just... And I, it's, it's always rednecks in the wilderness. I don't get that. I know. But the thing is, I know... You're in the I, South, Mr. Brown. I, I know people <laughs> that would do that, though. I yeah. know people that in that exact situation would get out. Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, that I, there's just some weird part of the human psyche that compels some people to do crap like that. Curiosity yeah. killed the cat, in this case, almost quite literally. But oh, According to the story, Mike Rogers, who was the boss of, of all these people, and he was Travis Walton's friend. Travis Walton gets out of the truck, a beam of light shoots Travis Walton in the chest, knocks him to the ground. They all... Apparently, they think he's dead. They leave. When they come back, they can't find anything. Right. 
For five days, Travis Walton is missing. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy style. Well, now, and and the fact is, and it, that much of it is a fact, he was gone for five days. Right. Now, you can argue about where he was and what was going on, but he was gone for five days. During those five days, the police did accuse all of his friends of murdering him. Uh, and there, you know, there was some animosity between Walton and somebody else in the group. And the, you see that in the movie. Yeah, they have different names in the movie than they did in the uh, right. than Travis's book. After five days, Walton reappears and he eventually tells his story about what happened, which, according to him, is that he was abducted by aliens. And aliens. Now, the, the movie does track pretty close to the actual story up to the alien spaceship part. It is completely, totally <laughs> different. They took a little bit of artistic license with that portion. They, is that what you're they saying? made it up from whole cloth. Oh, okay. Yeah. The completely whole the different. whole part of the end of the movie is, is is completely fabricated compared to Walton's version of it, which a lot of people say is fabricated. Also, I will say this. Since 1975, not one of these guys has recanted their story. They've all stuck together. However, uh, Walton's lie detector test has been in false and positive at times. It's gone back and forth, hasn't it? Uh, I think the first one was the one, and then it... Well, he, he, he went on a show on Fox, apparently, at, I think in the 90s. I'd have to look in my notes, but at one point he went on some sort of... And that maybe that's what really makes people wonder if this guy was really in this whole story for the money and selling the, the story rights or whatever. Because first of all, he makes a, an appearance as an extra in this film. Yeah. And yeah. secondly, uh, like I said, on the Fox show, they actually made him take a polygraph on the show, I think in the 90s, where it, the polygraph proved false. So, Well, polygraphs. They're not conclusive polygraphs yeah. in general. That's what I've heard, but at the same time, when you're you're going out of your way to be on a... Who, who, who in this room has taken a polygraph? Right here. Yep. Not yep. me. I yeah. don't know why either of these gentlemen have, listeners, and I'm not sure I want to know. Please don't ask. <laughs> I won't. Don't worry. It's sad that I admitted it now. We oh, were goodness. acquitted. Now, look. <laughs> the glove didn't fit? He's naked in bed with children. Is uh, he naked? He's shirtless. Uh, that doesn't mean he's naked. It's hard to say. There's a sheet over his bottom. So, okay, to give you guys some edification. It was inconclusive. Uh, Patrick, Robert Patrick, uh, who plays, who, Mike Rogers, the, Mike Rogers, the foreman yeah. on the crew? Yeah. yeah, his little girls wake him up in the morning and just crash in on him in bed. And yeah, he's shirtless, but it's not It's not as creepy as Adam's making it sound. Mm, I well, guess it's just my being. Your, your, <laughs> my your being. general creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and that's what's so weird about watching this movie again because i saw i remember seeing it before and not really liking it and then i watched it this time this is only the second time i've seen it and i liked it a lot more this time i think primarily because it, it wasn't very heavy on the aliens well it's got this like almost john cougar mellencamp kind of wholesomeness to it in the beginning you see travis is this sort of scampish character who's Oh my God! He's driving his motorcycle on the sidewalk. What yeah. a scam! But they all know him too. Travis, get him. off the yeah. sidewalk! Yeah, Come yeah. On. And there's one girl that he's he's clearly a player because there's the one girl who works at the bakery who Ooh, goes out of her point. way yes. to get him breakfast and actually he brings the breakfast to another lady. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's we've been pretty, there, Jason. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's that's baller. Oh, <laughs> you, know? yeah. you dastardly dogs! You you bought me breakfast? Yeah, kinda. Someone did. <laughs> um, breakfast was bought. Let's leave it. That. But the movie itself is really 
it's the story of a person who is accused of murdering his friend right. and lives in a small town and the whole town turns against him. That there are aliens involved. You could take the aliens out and replace it with he was Just kidnapped. That story. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, or the fact that he fell down, you know, a mine shaft or something. Yeah. He had an accident in the mountains, which happens because uh, that's what they thought. They were like, they thought maybe the crew buried him because uh, at one point they send out a search party for Travis's body or Travis if he's still alive. And they found a buried uh, hound dog, right? Yeah. A yeah. hunting hound. And I was like, wow, that's that depressed me. Cause, R- Robert yeah. Patrick, protagonist or antagonist? I would say he certainly changes. By the end of the movie. I would say the aliens are the antagonists because <laughs> they change everyone. <laughs> well, see, this movie, one of the one of the, the things that I like and you don't see it too often in movies because it's genuinely, it, it's typically as hard to write it. What's that? Is a movie where you have conflict but no bad guy. And in this movie, there's no villain. You have somebody who would be easy to pin as a villain, Dallas. Yeah. The the really he, annoying character with the bandana on his head who just has to pick a fight with literally every person and, and the, he and, encounters. And the little mustache. Oh right, yeah, yeah, the mustache the, and the little, super tight Levi's. Yeah, Can't little, forget little those. Little pube stash. I didn't notice that. <laughs> oh no, the jeans in this movie are freaking ridiculous. Like I'm amazed the men fight as much as they do because I'm like how are y'all even mobile in those jeans? It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, they, it was I think the 70s. I think they fight that much cuz their balls are being so <laughs> compressed by the jeans. <laughs> the testosterone <laughs> is just flowing through their yeah. bodies. I must take you down. Like give them a pair of boxer shorts and it's like giving somebody a Snickers, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, the ah. visual. Yeah. You can't clear as many trees when you're grumpy, Dallas. Here. Have <laughs> yeah. some boxers. Yeah. <laughs> I can breathe. But no, the um, there's no there's no villain like you know James Garner is sort of leading the pack of people who are uh, oppressing and attacking. The truth, yeah. But but James Garner's character is a cop and he's just doing his job. Right. And can you blame him for not feeling like oh yeah well they say it was aliens well I'm gone and he's you know? doing everything that he can because they they sort of treat the cops like they're hustling them a little bit and it's like no yeah. the cops are still just exploring every option they possibly can because they don't have any evidence to charge the crew members with. There's no evidence of foul play. Right. But they're basically saying, hey, and, you know, they're not asking because they'd rather just, you know, everybody do what they want them to do. They're like, okay, the polygraphs were inconclusive. Y'all have to come back for right. more in the morning. And they're like, no, we have options. Absolutely not. We're leaving. Which that, I, I need to go back and see if that was something that happened because that rule made no sense. That one of the polygraphs were inconclusive, so you all have to come back in. I guess the logic of that is that if the crew gets together, they can hone their story even tighter if they find out, oh, Dallas, you were the squeaky wheel in this one. You've got to get it together when we talk to them tomorrow morning. That that makes sense. If you know you're the one who was inconclusive, you're really going to try to tell the truth or something. Yeah, you're going to toe the line or you're going to be so nervous that you screw up the entire process. So bollocks, yeah. But logic. No, yeah, but so James Garner and the cop, you know, they don't portray them as like there's no point in the movie. There's one scene where a character says that like, oh, I know how to get him to confess. But it's just like a throwaway line. The, yeah, it's the one uh, raggedy, like violent guy at the diner who tries yeah, to pick a it. fight with the crew. And he goes, yeah, if the cops can't get him to confess. I damn sure yeah. know who does know yeah. how to get him to do it. Like it's, it's, it's So it's not like the cops were trying to beat them and, and coerce a confession. It really is, you know, you've got a five-day period. 
that they are thinking. You guys have murdered somebody. Y'all are the only leads that we have to work with. We've already sent hundreds of people up into the mountains to look for this one guy, and we haven't found him. Yeah. James Garner is from Montana. Yes. In this movie, yeah. And why did he come down to Arizona? You know, that never made any sense to me. I don't think they actually answered that yeah, question. Yeah, they, they just have like a, a line at the beginning where he's like, oh, I know all about you and you've got you've no unsolved cases and like... It's almost the conflict between the feds and the local <laughs> the local cops. Yeah. He's almost like the yeah. fed that comes in. Well, I, I guess we got to get some more of these Lieutenant fed guys. Johnson. There, there's Elliot. <laughs> there, we're with the FBI. There, there's Elliot in the backseat, by the way. Yep. Is yep. he playing his radio, right? No. Is he the one that plays the He's radio? in the middle. He's, He's in the middle, yeah. Okay. And 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 the guy... Um, oh, yeah. Yep, zip, there he is. I see it's it. Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Elliot. Yeah. I did not really... Because I watched this movie last night. I saw him, but I, it just did not strike me that that was Elliot. Well, I mean, I'd seen the movie before. I forgot that Robert Patrick was in it. Yeah, no, I, I one I of the like most ubiquitous character actors of all time. He's in so many things, and I wrote this down specifically for you, Jason, because not only is he in Community, I'm that's killing me now. I got I'm trying to remember who he was in Community, and I'm I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting a very obvious thing. But. Oh, he's in a ton of th- he's in the Faculty, Wayne's World, Jarhead, Sons of Anarchy, True Blood. He's got so many credits on IMDb. It's a, it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, good. Sons of Anarchy wasn't that long ago, so he's still working. No, oh, yeah, he's yeah. still an active actor oh, for good, sure. Good, like, absolutely. That makes, I don't know why that makes me feel. I just feel wrote down better. some of the more iconic things. Sorry, I didn't really go by what was most recent. I went by things that I remembered him from. Yeah, except for with the exception of Community, obviously, because I haven't watched it yet. Hindsiders, she will. She will. <laughs> oh, will I? Yeah, but he's he's see. gained some weight, hasn't he? Uh, since since 1993. Oh, a lot since 1993. <laughs> a little but, bit. I hey, mean, come on. We all have. Yeah, we right? all have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so critical of these actors that are light years ahead of all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you judgeroo. Go play your judgery, do. <laughs> now, the the UFO part, so th- that's, I that's guess. That's really the only alien, quote unquote, contact you get. Yeah, you get the abduction ab- in the beginning. And then. Drama, 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 drama. Yeah. Conflict, drama, sort of- drama. And then. Aliens, yeah. big aliens, and at it's the like end. balls the out. finale, <laughs> dragging them down the hallway. Yeah. It is. I and and I did again love the ending. I loved all the little details that they had in that. My my favorite part of the whole ending. Well, you're just talking about like the alien portion of the ending, the, alien the actual portion. ending, the, the waterboarding and everything. Thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah. When they're dragging him through the time. hall, mm-hmm. and you, he's like. He's flailing around trying not to be caught, and you can see he's hitting like a pair of shoes, glasses, yeah. glasses, and it's debris all the from debris from human all the other people experimentation or whatever they do with the yeah. the humans. But yeah, the he bear. didn't even find himself in the chest cavity of a of a cadaver yes. when he goes yeah. flying through Which, the you know, zero gravity area. When I watched yeah. it a second time, it it's almost gruesome. it almost looked like that cadaver was moving. Yes, I did and I, notice I, that. I, and I should have gone back. I'm going to look and see again, but I because I was trying to figure was that just the dummy, you know, as he was moving it, the dummy was moving, or was it supposed to be like that was still alive? And also, what the hell were the aliens doing? Yeah, you don't really know because <laughs> just based on the, you know, they basically tube him uh, yeah. through his ears and his throat, and then it looks like they're about to stab him in the eye with a progressively smaller and thinner needle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was intense to watch, but 
Yeah, it just um, beyond that part, I, that was that was pretty intense. I'll give you that, but I could have watched it alone in the dark, Jason, and I would have been just fine. They yeah, got, they got some chainsaw challenges here too. That's like oh yeah, testosterone. Yeah, they're not symbolic oh, yeah. whatsoever with those Large, chainsaws. Large, long chainsaws, <laughs> yeah. big ones too. Well, and they're they're in a dangerous line of work. I I did even read uh, just a little bit of Travis Walton's condensed uh, memoirs, and he was talking about how. It wasn't really them trying to challenge each other, but one of the guys did try to fell a tree on him. So that mm. was, he, apparently he did have a real life kind of rivalry with one of the guys. I don't think it was quite as contentious as it is in the movie with Dallas, but. Yeah, it's probably just a bunch of young men bullshitting, oh, yeah. and, you know, messing with each other. Out in the and woods shit, with power you know? tools. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you got two of them. They're, you know, two stupid young men. At, at a certain point, they're going to get into a fight. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember Jarts? Yeah. We used to throw them at each other. It was a game. Lawn yeah. darts? Lawn darts. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's why they're illegal now. Because uh, yeah. of people like... Or the us. Red Rider BB gun that my friend <laughs> shot me with. In the eye? Yeah, in the back. He got oh. me in the back with it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to use this movie as an excuse to talk about a subject that I like. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, he's got a look <laughs> on I his face. I knew this face. was going to happen. <laughs> he is uh, so devious. He's, no, he's I, brushed I talk against to this topic a few times, yeah. In I wanna, I, 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 I've been interested in UFOs since I was a kid. Yeah. Um. And and this is a good opportunity to ask: Have either of you seen a UFO? No, you've I never seen anything up there. No. Nothing. Now here's here's an interesting story. I had two friends that uh, quote air quotes saw a UFO together near our home. I was is that a, a euphemism for something. No, 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 no. This was a real <laughs> UFO, and it was you know just silhouetted in the sky. And the way they described it was exactly like something that another completely different friend of mine saw. Over the Great Lakes. I'll be damned. A whole group of people on the beach, you know, were pointing at it. And it was just, it was a large triangular thing with lights on it. And it was just hovering very slowly. Well, I, I okay. I that, got... that was the description. It, you know, at first I, I kind of poo-pooed it. Oh, it might have been a blimp or something. But they both gave the exact same description. Two separate locations. These folks never knew each other. I was, uh, I was intrigued. It's interesting. I was intrigued. Yeah. Yes. I, um... I, I've done a lot of UFO related stuff. I, I was in MUFON and that's a whole kettle of fish. I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> and I came to this conclusion because I've actually gone and done UFO investigations and talked to witnesses and stuff like that. And I mm -hmm. eventually came to, a con to this horrible conclusion that I would say it's all absolute horseshit, except I saw one. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. Because you saw one. Absolutely as clear as day. Tell us all about it. <clears throat> uh, it was like 97, 98. Okay. Uh, it was when I was in college. I was with a, a dear friend of mine. Um, and we were visiting some friends at a different college. It was about half half an hour away. And, and they're separated by an interstate. And it's just woods, nothing out there. Right. We leave that college. And it's maybe like 11 o'clock at night, something like that. It's winter. It's really cold. It's one of those like crystal clear nights, right. you know. So we're driving down the interstate, and we're on Interstate Twenty in Louisiana. We're headed west, and you see Will Smith chasing a car on foot. You're what? putting you're putting words aliens. in his mouth. I'm just joking. <laughs> that was an aliens. Men in black. Men in black. Oh, men in black. <laughs> men in black. Was that that must have been the director's cut of aliens. I'm sorry. Go on with your story. <laughs> <laughs> I think James Cameron would do that. Um, <laughs> Well, he would now. Um, oh. 
Yeah, have you seen Terminator Dark Fate? He, no. He, he'd do it now. Anyway. Uh, so we're driving down the road, and there's, uh, my friend looks up out the window, and he says, wow, it's like ridiculous how clear the sky is tonight. And I looked forward, and I was looking at Venus, and I said, yeah, look how bright Venus is. And my friend was an Eagle Scout. Yeah, so he's like he's spent a lot of time out in the wilderness and all. So he know. actually knows where to look when you say, "Look yeah. how bright Venus is." Well, yeah. yeah, and he says he's like, "No, that 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 can't be Venus. Venus is set by now. It's not that isn't Venus." And I said, "Well, dude, it's it's, it's got to be Venus. It's the only thing. It's a super bright white star. It's the only thing it could be. It's Venus. Could it have been Uranus? No, that was behind me." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you hired me, uh, gang. That's okay. I we, have we my love, own we soundboard. Love, we love doing this with her. <laughs> anyway, they just want to get a rise on me. So, <laughs> so as we're driving, we're getting closer and closer, and you know, eventually you start to notice how, as you're getting closer, the thing can't be that far away because you can see it changing perspective. Okay. And so at this point, we're thinking, okay, well, this is genuinely weird. Now there's a giant, super bright white light and eh, what the hell is this and we eventually get closer and closer and ultimately what we end up with is we are in the westbound lane so there's us a median then the eastbound lane and then trees and hovering above the trees is a black triangle with a light on each corner and a light up in the middle. And I mean, bright as just so ridiculously bright. It was like, it was like, it was like an arc welder, you know? Wow. And you could see like detail underneath the thing. You could see cool. lines and stuff in there. And the weirdest thing, and this is actually something that I ran into talking to UFO witnesses. We were so freaked out about it that we drove right by it and didn't say a word to each other. And like 15 minutes later, it was, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> And we actually ended up uh, picking up some friends and driving back to see it, uh, see if it was still there and it was gone. Of course it was. But no noise that we could hear, not moving, giant black triangle hanging just over the trees off the interstate. And wow. Yeah. So, so that, that matches the description of the really like, two independent, right? The one that saw it over the Great Lakes. Seriously? No, it matches. It was, the, it was like a triangular or pyramidal, pyramidal, with lights around it just like that. And it just drifted away. It, it so it could be it's unidentified, right? So you don't yeah. know what it is. It may not be out from be from outer space. I'm sure the the military has maybe test craft that mm. it could be deploying Drones of some sort. Right, exactly. It could be almost anything. But it's interesting that all three of those stories align in terms of the description of what this yeah. craft we, like. See, we, this is why the government was determined to stop the Naruto run on Area yeah, 51. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly why. We, we actually did talk to a guy who saw the same thing, and he was Marine aviator, and he was with a buddy of his who flew helicopters in the Army, and they both saw it at the same time. They were both convinced it was something we owned. They said, we, we don't know what it is, but they right. were absolutely convinced it was something we owned. Damned if we know why they're just puttering around the Atlanta, or the, uh, this was in Atlanta, uh, why they're just puttering it around the Atlanta area, but it's got to be ours anyway. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's the UFO story. That's, hey, my, that's that's my great UFO story. Hey, corroboration. That's all we need. Yeah. Like kind of like our famous party in Alpharetta, and kind of like the story of these guys in the movie, Jason. Because yeah. that's what makes you think, honestly, as an audience. If you if you're not familiar with Travis Walton, getting back to the movie, is the fact that at the very beginning, 
the crew members are looking at each other and saying, okay, so we all are sticking to the same exactly, story, yeah, right? Which is brilliant. And that's exactly what you would say if you had just murdered a man in the woods yeah. or left a man to die in the woods. But like, it's also what you would say if your friend was abducted by aliens and you knew is. the cops are going to ask you, are, are we all clear on what the we just saw yeah because yeah, yeah. they make a they make a big uh, dog and pony show out of the fact that james garner shows up with his tape recorder and uh the deputy's already written down everything that the crew members have to say and even the sheriff backs him up on that he's like oh well, deputy got everything down he goes no we'll use the tape recorder a man with nothing to hide is a man with nothing or nothing to be guilty of or something like that a man with nothing to hide is a man with- who doesn't have Wait, come back to me. I think I, no, I actually think I wrote it down. I can be a little more eloquent. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll use the recorder. A man with nothing to hide is a man with nothing to worry about. Yeah, is exactly what he said. Yeah. If a cop ever says that to you, you're dead. <laughs> you're so, you're so going up the river. Run away. <laughs> um, no, but the, uh, you know, so Walton does get abducted. And he's got seven or six witnesses backing him up on that part. They all claim that they saw the thing. They all claim that they saw him get zapped by the beam of light. And here we are. What, you and know, we're talking 40, real life. We're not even talking the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, we're, you know, 40-something years later, they haven't uh, they haven't changed their story. Now, a guy that I, I really respect, a guy named Kevin Randall, he's ex-Army, and he he does a bunch of UFO stuff. You know, he... he I, I read an article by him whenever I was doing research for this, for this episode... You know, and his whole thing was, I still don't believe it was an alien abduction, but I also don't believe they're lying. So I believe they saw what they think they saw. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. But how how do you explain Travis Walton? Exactly. You know, it's like, I don't know. That's really what the whole UFO thing comes down to is (laughs) all. Well, the movie seems to lean in Travis Walton's direction, especially once we recover. Yeah, Yeah, pretty damn heavily. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because they, he calls, it's in a... Given the fact that we almost did this movie and we've discussed it on previous episodes, it reminded me a little bit of Mothman Prophecies, Jason, when Travis is calling from some random gas station out in the middle of nowhere, and it's almost this disembodied voice. It's, it's it yeah, sounds a little yeah. surreal, where he's like, "Mike, Mike, help me!" And then they have to go hunt him down. Yeah, which you know they couldn't track the, the the phone call obviously so they're just going to random gas stations trying to find travis yeah uh, which is a good thing there's only two of them <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> where they live out in snowflake arizona but the, they do lean in travis's favor in this movie because you see these creepy sort of tendril like fingerprints yeah. left in I, the yeah, left in the uh, uh window when travis is looking out and somehow he's the only one who everyone missed the fact that an alien was just breathing on the glass. You know, I don't think that's what that is. What do you think it is? That's I, what I thought. It looked like fingers. Well, that's exactly what I thought it was. And I went, oh, I never noticed that before. There's like fingerprints on the glass. Okay. If you watch the, um, like at the end of the movie, when he's in the like cocoon cell thing and he's pushing out and he, he break, he tears Which, the membrane. Lucky that wasn't in a vacuum. My God. <laughs> well, at that point, you, you Who take, cares? You're taking yeah. your chances. Yeah, take the risk. If you look at that on the membrane, it looks like that exact same thing is printed on the side of it, and it looks like a circuit. It's oh. like printed on the membrane. Okay. And I saw that, and I went, "Oh, it, tied it together." That's why he yeah. freaked out because it looked like he was looking through the same thing again. But then, what made that shape on the glass? Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Now, now I've I've never done hallucinogens, but I've heard people well, say you. that you know when you take mushrooms, you know weird things can happen, and depending on the size of your 
dose. You could, I thought he was going in a very different direction with that one, Einsiders. No, I, someone told me stories about it. They've taken excessive doses, and people have taken their clothes off and run into the woods and were missing for like two days. Mm-hmm. And I just had this vision of them. We're going to stick to the story. Yeah. We yeah. saw that UFO. I'm a little freaked out. That's we both thing, woke up naked yeah. in the woods together. Because um. when, when you do group hallucinations, as soon as one person starts talking about it, you start seeing everyone. It. So it's all like, you know, yeah, I do see that thing over there. Well, it's like that. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTube video, but there was a guy apparently on LSD who his friends had to lock in a closet because he was just hallucinating his brain out. And he's just sitting there narrating everything. And I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so you hindsiders can see it because it's actually really funny. So the guy's locked in a closet, but they've animated it so that he's, he's, he's a little <laughs> lizard. And he's like, oh, Mr. Balloon Hands, look at me. I walk down the walkway, I'm Mr. Balloon Hands. And he's just saying all this really random shit. It makes absolutely no sense. That's awesome. Like, and oh, they recorded who, it? They recorded yeah, they recorded it. It's a YouTube video. So they recorded oh. all of that and then they turned it into a little cartoon like, oh, who brought this chair? Not my chair, not my problem. That's what I always say. Just like, it's so random. I, so I'll send it to you guys, but I'll also put it in the show notes. Not me, a friend. Um, uh-huh. no. Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. A friend of mine. No, this actually was a friend of mine. The first time he dropped acid, he was he was out with some buddies in, in the woods. And he's sitting in front of the fire and they have a big campfire going. And he's like, okay, drops acid. And he's sitting there and he's like, huh. Nothing's happening. Like, well, this is weird. Like, I expected something to happen. Nothing's happening. Nothing's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and then, then he gets into this conversation about why nothing's happening. And then he realizes that he's talking to the fire. And <laughs> the fire has a face. And it's talking to oh him. Oh, my. And as soon as he realizes that, the fire stands up on two legs. And my buddy <laughs> just hauls ass through the woods oh my because he's being chased by a talking ball of fire on legs. Wow. So interesting. It's like a burning bush. Yeah. It all comes together yeah. now. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he yeah. didn't, didn't kill himself that he managed to not, you know, run off of a ravine or anything. Well, but, that's you know, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you see those memes and stuff on Facebook where it's like, uh, some of these people are showing their ignorance by saying, Oh, these edibles aren't working. They're not working. So you eat more, you eat yeah. more. I need to go to the ER. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're working now. Can someone please help me? Yeah, very easy rule about eating wild edibles. Don't. Just don't do it. You... Is that the rule of thumb? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean... Apparently, it... not, a lot of people don't listen to you. Yeah, If it, unless it has a face, don't eat it. Oh, my God. I, I would no. say just avoid them altogether. No, what I'm saying is if you're in the wilderness... You know, if something has a face, you can kill it and eat it. Got it. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were, if it has I a mom, you were going in such a different direction. <laughs> yeah, with that. You know, if it has a mom, you can kill it and eat it. Oh, God. <laughs> the The movie does, you know, it has this sort of action-y first act. But then it really progresses into about an hour of... Yeah, there's a lot of drama that yeah. just takes place. And it's it's... It's very like about to about to boil over, about to boil over kind of drama, but nothing really happens. Well, it's like Peyton Place in many ways. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. No, and the that is the weird thing is that even though it has less alien in it, and and that's the specific reason why I wanted to watch it, I I really did. I think everybody did a good job. Their performances were good. The dialogue was good. the The tension in the movie keeps coming back to, especially when you don't know how it all turns out, is that these guys are going to be arrested at any moment and charged with murder. 
Yeah, but know? on what evidence? Like that, and that's where some of the contention you start to see with the crew they start to break down a little bit. Yeah, especially with Dallas because uh, Travis's brother shows up to the manhunt and he's like, "Oh, who's this guy that you have on your crew with priors?" And he's got a felony for assault with a deadly weapon, and of course it's Dallas. The guy who jokingly felled a tree way too close to Travis the day he disappeared. And so you find Dallas playing poker or something with uh, some random people and he's starting to get really hostile because he's like, oh, yeah, they're not going to arrest any of you. They're going to arrest the guy with a previous record and they start fighting with each other and it it starts breaking down a little bit. Well, can you convict someone of murder without a body? Yes. Yeah. You can. You can Mm -hmm. do it. It ain't easy. You're you're the legal yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can you can do it. I mean, you know the the he's done it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know we got the wrong guy. Oh damn! Um, no, you can't. I mean, if you can prove, you, you have to have enough facts that a jury can conclude that the person died beyond reasonable beyond doubt. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, but that's what they'll always tell you on a jury. I was yeah. on a jury myself quite some time ago. It wasn't for a murder, but it was much lo- more low bri- more low profile than that. But that's what they kept reemphasizing to the jury. They said, listen, we can't necessarily give you the perfect amount of evidence and, you know, really give you everything that you need to really determine what happened. But as long as you feel beyond a reasonable doubt that that's what happened, then you mm. can convict the person. So yeah. it's just it. And you get a lot of, you know, crisis of conscience with uh, several jury members. Yeah, well, that. that, it's, that's one of the things, like, if you ever watch a murder trial, you'll see that they prove things and you're like, why are they even talking about this? It's like they establish that the person is dead and they show pictures of the body. It's because you just, that is an element that's got to be proven mm-hmm. is that a life was taken. Um, it still has to be laid out. Yeah, so if you don't have a body, you know, it's sort of like if I have video of you shooting a guy in the head, I don't really need a body. If the guy's been missing, you know, well, we have this video of you shooting him. Right. Right. We like we had evidence on my jury that the guy had definitely broken into and robbed a vehicle in uh, years previous. And enough of the evidence fit the second case of him doing that a second time that that was part of it. Usually they I'm not going to do it the same way twice. What were they? No, he did it the same way twice. (laughs) Why? What? They can't convict a husband and a wife (laughs) of the same charge. Yes, they can dad. Yes, they can. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, oh yeah. But here we're at the point where, and James Garner's got his eye on the crew the entire time. Travis's brother storms in. He's accusing Dallas basically, because he's the only one with a prior record on the crew. Yeah. So James this, Garner's over there with his bolo. A lot, a lot of flannel. A lot of flannel. This, this movie be makes the 90s. this movie makes me want to wear hats. Mm. You know, I, I you know I'm like I, I can't. You wear do a hat. wear hats. Yeah, but not you know. I don't know these not guys. John these, Deere hats. These guys wear them better. I think. <laughs> well, they've got. I think they've got a little more rustic facial hair. You keep you keep a certain amount of facial hair, but yeah. they've got the more mountain man hair going. Well, on. you know, and. and this you is know, Kara's movie right here, Lumberjack Sensational, right? Is that, <laughs> that her, is that her thing? That's what she said on the Aladdin episode, remember? Because uh, her husband is one of those kind of brawny guys who wears plaid. You need, so. you need to get her a copy of this movie then. Oh, absolutely. You know. She'll enjoy that. If she if she likes, you know, some weird kinky shit, it's got that at the end too. Stop so, that. She's yeah. about to be a mother, damn it. <laughs> Let's be a little bit respectful. What is that? Well, yeah, the price what, of tea in yeah. China. You're talking <laughs> about <laughs> kinky stuff. <laughs> a mother's are never kinky. No, no, no. never happens. No. I'm not doing this with no. you guys. Um, anyway. Doing what? Exactly. Um, so cruising right past all of that. Continuing this conversation. <laughs> so oh, this is kind of a throwaway moment that I really didn't understand. I know that they're on a, they're near an Apache reservation on the mountain, but then 
I don't know the two guys' names who are in the woods, but they're on the crew, and they happen across this random Apache man who's just in the woods skulking about while the manhunt for Travis is going on, and they're like, look, what's that? And then nothing happens. Yeah, that is a very weird scene. Nothing because comes you're, to that. you're totally right. There's no pale... And he even mentions, you know, oh, the Apache reservation... Is nearby. It's like yeah. a mile that way. And it, it doesn't go anywhere. And you see they, the camera right... It's right on this Indian's face. Yeah, focuses on And as he turns around and looks... And, and he looks a little shifty and a little suspicious. Well, it looks like, okay, is this, this guy's going to know he's going to be, he's going to say, well, I saw something, you know, or yeah, you know, uh, he's a piece of the puzzle somehow and he has, can lead them to one. If you saw the director's cut, it would all make sense. That's what I wonder yeah. if yeah. there was more to it that they Probably. just cut out, but then why leave that yeah, in there? I know. Probably. Know? Oh, this, I'm such a softy. When we're watching this movie, Oh, I saw no. that they, yeah, they dug up some bones and, oh, you think it's Travis for a second and no, it's a dead dog that died on a hunting trip, supposedly. I was like, why does the dog have to be dead? Well, if it makes you feel any better, you know, you know when they did this scene, they did not use dog remains. Oh, thank for God. That. They actually, one of the key grips had been killed and so they just... Oh, they used a person? Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, they just used some dude. Load yeah. off my shoulders. Yeah. So nothing uh, to worry about. No, a past boyfriend got mad at me about that once because uh, he moved out of town and we watched Walking Dead Tell together. Tell about it. Uh, <laughs> no. he, um, I watched the first episode of The Walking Dead where the horse dies. Rick rides it into town and the horse dies, Rick doesn't. I was like, oh my God, why are you making me watch the show? The See, horse you say dies? That, I'm, just saying, I'm just seeing Rick Sanchez in my head riding a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from the, the walkers, Morty. But uh, yeah, so Rick's horse dies. And I was like, why are you making me watch the show? The horse just got ripped to shreds. And he goes, like, so many people are dying on the show and you're mad about the damn horse. And I was like, yes. Because the horse didn't do anything to get himself into no, it. No, just like Daredevil <laughs> yeah. and Sleepy Hollow. Why is the horse in hell with the horseman? The yeah. horse didn't do anything. Yeah, the horse didn't do anything. That was an innocent horse. <laughs> Now, now, I have a question. Rick is always belching and there's stuff rolling out of his mouth. He's a raging alcoholic. That, yes, is that what yes, it is? Yes. Okay. yes. Got it. Yeah. Rick Sanchez. Yes, Rick Sanchez, for, not Rick for, from... Not that, Rick that, that from The Walking show. Dead, yeah. yes. I mean, he could be. He might be a raging alcoholic. A lot of them can uh, they can hide it pretty well. A lot of who, Jason? Alcoholics. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were gonna. Of I course, thought you were going about a comment about the police. A lot, a lot of sheriffs like, in the uh, zombie apocalypse can hide of their course, alcoholism. There's it, a niche. After the apocalypse, they probably don't have meetings anymore, so you can't be uh, an alcoholic. You're just oh. you're just a drunk. <laughs> oh goodness. So the uh, the the sort of payoff of the movie is, of course, the the sequence at the end of the movie. We got to talk about that. Mm -hmm. we, we have to talk about Travis Walton in this movie, his experience aboard. The SS mouth rape. <laughs> <laughs> Is it mouth rape or eye rape? Which one's worse in this case? I think you would call that a uh, double penetration. Oh, because it's going in. But it is. It's getting him the yeah, uh, both above the neck. Yeah. What? What's? It's that's. I don't know. It seems like a, <laughs> a perfectly reasonable term. I just coined. Sweet any Jesus. any <laughs> be any orifice a parasite would target. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The Someone eye kill and me. The mouth and perhaps the nose. <laughs> so Travis, there's no end to my threat to slap you. Let's just remind you of that, Adam Brown. Be careful. It's coming. I can mm, tell. It's <laughs> building up like a storm. So the tonal shift in the movie. At I think a, it just happened on the show. Yeah. At about, you know, when, when Act 3 begins, mm -hmm. um, Mike Rogers gets a phone call, a collect call from Travis Walton. Yeah, the very Mothman Prophecies call, because he keeps... What's weird, and I couldn't understand this either, Travis repeatedly calls Mike's house and won't answer when the wife picks up the phone. 
as she thinks it's somebody who's crank calling them. She's like, oh, I've been getting these crank calls all day long, and now it's every hour of the night, and I can't believe... And a uh, random shout-out, actually, Mike's wife was uh, a repeating character on Gilmore Girls, one of the few other actors oh. I uh, recognized in this movie. That, I was, it was driving me nuts. She's the I... diner owner's sister. She's okay. Luke's yeah. little sister. Yeah, uh, but she's like, yeah, these people keep calling and blah, blah, blah. And you see that there's obvious contention between Mike and his wife because she might think that he murdered Travis a little bit. You get that inkling from her. Well, you know, when the facts, again, put yourself in these characters' shoes. My husband came home saying that his crew member got abducted by aliens. Yeah. That's a little... Well, uh, look, I, as far as, like, you know, criminal law goes, I just any... Okay, either of you, just imagine that you went home tonight, God forbid, and your significant other was dead in your house. Jesus. No, 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 but think about this. Mm-hmm. Who's going to probably go to jail for it? You. We are, yeah. I mean... Who are the police going to look at? Who, every dirty secret you've ever had. In my case, I'm going to go ahead and put this on record. Our little dog, Watson, because he hates Josh. <laughs> Does he? So, yes. Oh, yeah. Very he much hates. so. Aww. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, whenever. it's And it's only when I'm at home. It's it's very mommy-centric. Like, if Josh mm. is anywhere near me, jo- Watson's convinced he's going to murder me, and he tries to <laughs> he tries to protect me. Well, you, yeah, you are the prime suspect. You are, yeah. Yes, <laughs> getting back to the yeah. point the of the prime story. prime suspect. Yeah. And, you know, I'm convinced that there's a lot of people who are in jail today who are innocent just because that's how it goes. Yeah, they, yeah. Fit, you know? the, they fit the... the well, because think of, about what are they... Did you fight? Of course we no fought. Shit, we're we're in a relationship. We, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, he forgot to take out the garbage today, so some men just can't hold yeah. their arsenic. Do you have any? Do you have any financial troubles? Uh, uh, yeah, of I course. Mean, yeah, by definition. Do you yeah. ever drink alcohol to alter your mood <laughs> exactly. or celebrate yeah. a special occasion? Yeah, <laughs> I need gin in my mouth now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put it in my mouth now. That's yeah. not the first time he said that on this show, listeners. I could go for gin right now. That's a quote from BoJack Horseman. Actually, I just watched it last night. I know. I'm oh, just, are you are you watching the new season? I no, I'm just finishing or starting season two. Okay, I'm behind. I've seen one and two. I did. I haven't seen the three and four yet. Yet he hasn't watched enough of Rick and Morty to understand that Rick is a raging alcoholic. So you're behind on your homework, Mister Brown. I'm, I'm getting there, Mister Brown. I'm getting there. Okay, but yeah, we uh, did we just do the diner scene? I think we glossed right past that. No, the diner scene. Oh, no, scene's that's happening out, right yeah. now. Oh, so, oh, by the way, what? Robert Patrick and his wife are on the rocks. Oh. Like like Jim, oh. not re- in real life in this movie. Oh, oh yeah, in yeah. This movie, yeah. So and there everybody that, knows that. Yes, you know. So it's like, oh, you got. You're not not on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> they did not say that, did they? No, oh, okay. that's from Bob's Burgers. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was wondering where that was from. <laughs> I know Jason was going to get are, that. Don't are worry you aware that. of this? I'm not aware of it. <laughs> um, it didn't. So work. It, so, but getting back to because I think we can kind of brush through a lot. You can, because it's just, it's very, the crucible, just all the society, the little bitty town is turning in upon itself and churning drama. So yeah, you can. Character driven drama. Yeah. Yeah. So Travis Walton wakes up. Well, first of all, okay, so uh, Mike Rogers gets a phone call. It's Travis Walton calling collect. We have to talk about the horrible joke that one of the reporters makes to Mike Rogers uh, because Mike is staying at a a little motel while all this contention is happening in his town and his family's being singled out. And the reporter wakes him up and he's like, oh, I feel like I should ask you if it's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. (laughs) I wanted to punch that guy so hard. I almost wondered if he was doing that, hoping he would punch him to get it on camera. You have you know, to wonder. Because that's a bullshit thing like reporters would do in the 
well, maybe still today. But maybe in such a small town, like you, it's not guaranteed that they, you know, know who Mister Rogers is. So. That's true. Nineteen seventy-five. Because uh, I mean, he was on the air. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean that they got Mister Rogers on whatever channels they got. That's in their a very tiny interesting point. I didn't even think about that. So, it's it's actually look, possible because Mike looks at him like. He has no earthly idea what the hell he's talking about. And he's like, oh, it's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. What? I just woke up. And what? then he stabs him with a liquid metal knife straight <laughs> through his face. And it turns out he was the alien all along, gang. That would be Whoa. so awesome. The aliens were there hunting the T-1000. That's all it was. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Where's Sarah Connor when you need her? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, the the new movie that's coming out? Okay. We'll no, lost. it's out. It's already oh, come out. Oh, it's already out. Yeah, it's okay. already come out and failed. Gotcha. Yes. Well, and you have to defend the policemen a little bit because they are trying to keep the peace to the best of their ability because, yeah, that one contentious guy in the diner, he's looking at the crew all wrong. Like, he wants to go outside and fight, and the, the sheriff and James Garner break up the fight, and they're like, all right, everybody just chill out. You could really calm the whole town down if you would volunteer and they mention that. They're like, you need to volunteer to take a lie detector test. So yeah. they're in a way, they're trying to help them out well, while trying to solve the mystery. The one bullshit thing that the sheriff does in the whole movie that genuinely pissed me off. The town hall meeting? At the town hall meeting when he says, we've offered to give them lie detector tests and they've all turned it down. Yep. He you know? should be protecting their rights as citizens because, they, once again, they don't have any evidence. Yeah. So even if he just left it, we've offered... Uh, to get them lie detector tests, he could have could have just left it at that. Yeah, he, there he's is, not liable to any to answer any of these. Like yeah. he doesn't have to. There is no way they could have this trial in this town or near it because it's all the been, witnesses are it's, tainted. It's, it's so poisoned. Yeah, you know, and for reasons that like. I don't know, like the one mother that stands up and she's like, "Oh, well, my children are asking if so and so is a murderer." It's like, okay. And that doesn't mean they are. Like, right, it, yeah, exactly. Your child is not in any direct danger. Yeah. And it's not like they out and out murdered somebody in you front this, of everyone. You know what this movie needs? Batman? No, Dale Cooper. Why? <laughs> Dale Cooper would have walked in here and figured it out in five minutes. Well, so would Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, like, Sherlock, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Oh, he's amazing. Isn't he awesome? Wow. Oh, I'm so in love with Benedict Cumberbatch. No, Sherlock and aliens. That'd be weird. Yeah. Because he would It'd be interested because if he excludes all the impossible, uh, whatever no, remains. When you eliminate the impossible, yeah. whatever remains, however improbable, must yeah. be the truth. Yes, and Spock has actually quoted Sherlock Holmes as saying that on Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. We, we digress. Yes, uh, a little we bit. never do that. No, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they could have solved the mystery a lot faster. To answer your question, Jason, <laughs> Dale Cooper and Benedict Cumberbatch. So, Travis Walton makes a phone call. <laughs> Yes, Mothman <laughs> Prophecy style. Yes. He's buck-ass naked at one of the two gas stations in yes. town. And huddled against the ice machine, and it's pouring down raining. I noticed this. And yet he's dying of thirst. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Which think I it was sort was of like funny. he... Yeah. I mean, well... He's a little lo loopy. Yeah. Mind, if yeah. you're five days without water, you know... And the water's just falling out of the sky, you're not going to take you're advantage of that? You're not going to suck a puddle? I don't think so. I think he was pretty... <laughs> he was pretty distracted yeah. at the moment i think it was you know i mean you know whenever you're at the point where if somebody touches you you just start screaming like yeah. abed when the time changes oh, for the um, love of god <laughs> no you're you're pretty bad off the thing about that they got me and i actually am curious i want to go and see what they actually did when they find him they call mufon 
it's not MUFON. They call it, there's some other name. Yeah, they call the like alien experts. And Mike is the one who pushes for that because he's like, listen, listen, they're experts. Because I guess that's because those are the only people who showed Mike any sympathy while the entire town was turning in on itself yeah. and blaming the crew. Well, they were. They were the only ones that said, hey, we believe, we believe you. you. We believe yeah. it. You know, um, and at first, whenever they introduced those characters, I went, I wonder why they didn't just say MUFON. And then you see know. the scene later on where they're basically torturing the guy, trying to get him to say what happened. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they did that so they would get sued. This is for posterity, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Just beating the hell out of it. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but he does eventually return to society. They Travis have, does. Travis yes. does. They they do the worst possible thing imaginable, which is hold Throw a him huge a damn party. party. What you do yeah. for anyone with any sort of PTSD is yeah. stick them in a crowded room of people. Yeah. That's strangers, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of family people, but also strangers. Acquaintances that don't text. Yeah, that's just the yeah. worst. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do whenever people came back from Vietnam. We would just shove them into social situations. Yes. It was, yeah, it worked every time. Deer Hunter, right? Yeah. The yeah. Deer Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> God, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Now I want a uh, Rolling Rock. Uh, <laughs> the, the beer of the deer hunter mm-hmm. yeah especially like and Pencil everybody's tucky. just everybody's just slapping travis on the back like hey yeah. let's get something to eat hey buddy good like glad to have you back and it's just it he didn't even just return from war or college no. like it's nothing to celebrate <laughs> yeah he just it, as, just, just leave him be. back just leave him be yeah, you know just let and him. he ends up where under the table under the kitchen table yeah. hiding. And, and and his wife or he Knocks over the, the, syrup, the bottle. syrup. The syrup, yeah. That is what triggered his memories. Yeah. That was cool. And so Travis Walton in the movie remembers waking up in a sort of dystopian matrix HR Geiger type incubator. Yeah, yeah. Slimy, gooey place. Incubator. Yeah. It was very much like Zavoom. Oh god. <laughs> Was not <laughs> sterile. It was the no, beginning you know, of my existence. No, they were crisis. they were crap aliens. Yeah, they, they were, were really. They, crap were, they looked like Groot. I'm telling you, they just I looked actually, like cheap knockoffs I, of Groot. Well, they came first. Not not as far as the comic. Books. No, but I mean, as far as the actual, I actually thought they did a good job on the on the creature effects, and I no liked, no no they did, and they didn't look like your typical like just regular aliens either. They, I mean, the, they were the, alienish. The spacesuits did. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, the spacesuits look like a typical alien. Yeah, the, the, aliens the, the, themselves. Gray, the big head and but the big eyes. But that confused me because it's like, how are those big ass aliens fitting into those tiny little exoskeleton suits? Like, it, it didn't make any sense. But here, look at the picture of the alien there. The way they look over their shoulder and with a, a disgusted look, they look like government employees, you know? <laughs> It's like, let me get this work done. I know. This guy and get uh, out of here. It's like the, the well, 40th. And they were sloppy. They were. They let, they let him get away. Well, that's the thing, too, is that it's never explained why, because he just makes the joke, oh, well, I guess they didn't like me. Right. That, oh, God, I hated that. That that sort of... Uh, he doesn't remember, I mean, he genuinely doesn't know why they let him, they didn't let those other folks go. Well, is it real Travis or, no, it was real Travis who said something about, like, trying to take over the ship to drive it home to well, escape? no, that's, I was going to bring that up, because... Yeah, please the, explain the, that, because I'm the, a little foggy on that. The actual story... And I really wish, as much as I enjoyed, and I thought it was creepy and scary, you know, the, the ending of the movie, mm. the actual story that Travis Walton tells is, I think it's more interesting, because what he claims ha- happened to him was he he wakes up. He thinks he's in a hospital. He thinks he's in a hospital. A human hospital. Yeah, he's, he's laying on some sort of flat surface, 
And the first thing he notices, besides that he just hurts everywhere, Mm -hmm. is that he still has his clothes on. And he thinks, well, that's weird. Why didn't they cut my clothes off? And then he noticed that his he had, you know, his big coat and his shirt and they were on him, but they had been pushed up. Like they hadn't been unbuttoned or anything like that. They, someone had just pushed them up. Mm. And he like had someone like, who's not accustomed to wearing clothes. Yeah. yeah. And he had like some kind of plastic apparatus or something that was on his chest. And he thought, oh, that's weird. Like I, it must be some kind of medical thing. And he saw what he thought were three doctors with like masks, surgical masks and, and something that sort of disfigured their faces a little. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, well, that's weird. They're wearing surgical gowns, but their gowns are orange. I've never seen orange surgical gowns. And then like, as his eyes cleared, he saw, according to him, three aliens, like little, not quite five foot tall. Um, And it's interesting because he said their eyes were big but they were like the size of the quarters. quarters yeah yeah one of them came near him and he tried to punch it but he was so weak all he could do is was sort of push, push at it yeah. but even though that's all he could do he like knocked it clear across the room huh and were they humanoid that, yeah they two legs two legs yeah two hands you know he gets off of the table he feels awful but he's like freaking out and he just starts screaming at him and, and yelling and he picks something up like a clear piece of plastic or something he said but it was too light and he's like well it won't do as a weapon so he's like just sort of hunkered down and he's just like an animal and he's going to fight these things mm-hmm. and they leave they they look like they're scared of him and they leave which is kind of logical you have a crazy ape in your spaceship yeah. that you probably should have tied down you know it's like in the zoo and the tranks wear off too early yeah he eventually goes out in the hallway and he's running down the hallway and he's running past doors. And eventually he thinks, well, I've got to open one of these doors because I got to get out of here. He opens a door and he finds this room. And this is the part you were talking about. And it's, it's a room with a chair in it. And as he walks closer to the chair, the closer he gets, the more the walls like shimmer and they, they get darker and he starts to see through them. And as he gets to the chair, he's basically looking at space. Oh. And he backs away from it, and the walls turn back into walls again. He it ends up sitting in this little chair, and he's just pressing buttons and stuff, trying to do something. And he, he like, knocks something, and the huh. stars shift. And he, he supposedly, he, again, this is all his story, you know, he says... Um, I felt like I was driving the ship and I like, this isn't going to do me any good because all I'm going to do is crash. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to get out of here. Right. And eventually a human walked in. He said, this dude, like that I didn't see in my research. Yeah. A human walked in and he said he was like this, like ripped, just like, you know, just blonde hair, (laughs) just like, you know, he's like this dude, like genetically perfect human. And he, he's like, Oh great. It's a person. And he doesn't say anything to him, and he, like, takes Travis Walton out um, and eventually leads him through, like, this other room. They end up in another place where there's, like, a woman, and there's more humans. And he, one of them eventually, I think, puts him down on the table and then puts something on his face, like a like a, a mask, and it knocks him out. Okay. And that's the last thing, and the next thing you remember... Oh, so there wasn't any of this painful... None of that... Above the waist probing, as it were. None of that was in the actual story. Huh. As far as I know, that's based on on my reading of it. That's crazy. So, in a way, his story is both much more... Plausible. Yeah, it's less crazy and more crazy at the same time. 
Yeah. You know, that wouldn't work well in a film. You need a dramatic no. No. conclusion. Well, especially after movie. all the nothing that happens in the town, you yeah. can't just have a, I tilted the spaceship over for a minute and then they knock me out with, you know, right. A gas mask. We, yeah, <laughs> like, we, that we, wouldn't have worked. We need a horror movie ending. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you got. You got a horror movie ending. And then with icing on the cake of, why are we back here, Travis? Cause he does. Cause Mike winds up in the middle of the woods, obviously divorced from his wife and things didn't work out like uh they were on they were he's on starting rocks, an uncle yeah. jesse tribute band <laughs> exactly uh, he's a little more mountain man looking yeah. but yes um so yeah travis brings him back to the site where he's a new was. show called the dukes of hazard i'm gonna star in it <laughs> just get a girl with cutoffs it'll be a hit uh but uh, so they go back to the site where travis was supposedly abducted and they're like what is it they even say? Travis is like, do you feel it too? Like, it's just a weird, creepy feeling that both yeah. of them get. And he's like, yeah, mm. yeah, I feel it, Travis. Well, and then he's like, I guess they just didn't like me. <laughs> and it's this really like. Then they should just jump in the air yeah. and freeze, exactly. right? Exactly. It's so <laughs> underwhelming. Well, but see, there's two things about that last scene that I did like. Do tell. One is that the scene begins with him going to work. And it's like, yay, you know, he's got a kid. His wife is he's pregnant. He's got a sense he's of normalcy now. He has and, Mike's old life. Yeah. And basically. He, and he sees the sign for a Harley Davidson. And in the beginning of the movie, they he had said, Hey, oh, you, yeah. you and me need to start our own Harley Davidson. MT. 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 Yeah. Our prizes are so good. Our showroom's always it's empty. Yeah. Get it? Get it? Look. Yeah, I know. It's like, God damn it, man. <laughs> Get away from me. Come on, Hank. Get away. <laughs> I'm from telling me. you, it had that John Cougar melon camp wholesomeness to the beginning of the movie. So, but and- the thing is, though, what I thought was, oh, he's gonna go find Mike, and they're gonna, he's gonna say, we need to do this, we need to start, but he doesn't. That, no, yeah. That all that does is just motivate him to go. You know what? I got to go find Mike. He's probably been driving by that sign every single day on his every way to work. every single day, and he finally this was the day where he said, "I've got to go see Mike." Well, and there's it's a point of forgiveness for both of those both of them in a weird way because Travis didn't realize until he was in his hospital bed when they had found mm, him that's true. that Mike, his very best friend, left him behind in his hour of need. See, I'm pretty sure my best friend would leave me. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, I and I'd be okay. With that. I, I would blame her for leaving you, me. You did the right thing. Yeah. She's got a kid. She's got to look after. She's got stuff. She's got to handle. Yeah. Like, that's fine. I, I, I would be like, yeah, dude, you thought I was dead. You made a call. Just I'm like fine, an evil man. dead. If you get turned, oh, hack yeah, the hell yeah. out of me. Oh yeah. If, either, if either of you turn into zombies, bad. I'm sorry, yeah. but you know, now, if you I got, turn into you a vampire, do you gotta do. If I turn into a vampire, let Meg handle it. She and I have a clause. So um, okay, but only if you don't turn into like moody and. I don't I promise not to sparkle in the sunshine how about that (sighs) there you go but no but there is that point of forgiveness that Travis and Mike have to get past because Travis does realize oh you left me in the hospital bed so that's a big betrayal for him and Mike gets mad because he's like you know what because he's like you freaking idiot if you didn't walk out and look at the damn thing in the first place none of us would have gone because his whole life gets ruined because a stupid ass friend walking out to look at the pretty lights and that's the other thing I liked about that scene was that at the end of the movie you've got travis walton and mike rogers travis walton if the movie is to be believed if you know he was abducted by aliens and had this horrible thing happen to him right he's over it yeah mike isn't yeah mike is the one who's hurting he's living in a little and he's still afraid of the aliens He's, yep. he's like cowering behind the door of the car. Whereas like, Travis is the dumbass who walks back out in the same field. Was he kind of limping or something? I, it, uh, it was looked, something weird going yeah, on at he, the end. With who, Mike or Mike. Travis? 
No, Mike had like a bum leg or something. He couldn't stand well, up. Well, he's an old, crippled man emotionally I, now. I, he's living on his own it, in it the woods. It could have been anything. It could have just like been them. Yeah, he could have taken a bad fall. He lives alone in the woods. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think the movie was it was trying to just convey how just he's worn out. But they both you know? they both kind of help each other out because Travis forgives Mike for abandoning him. And Mike kind of, he's like, listen, you know, Mike, everybody misses you. Your sister misses you. I miss you. You're about to be an uncle again. Really? He's like, again? Yeah, know. and it's, nobody's been, he's been in utter isolation, so they yeah. both kind of forgive each other for their, you know, their circumstances. It's a very bro moment, like, hey, we good now? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, it, I don't it's, think the aliens like me. <laughs> and then it's over. Yeah, and, and, you know, the the thing about a movie like this is that, especially when it's a based on a true story movie, you can't have an Independence Day ending they're not going to fight the aliens. I wanted win. to see an alien get punched in the face so hard. My God. Yeah, but that's the thing. You've got to end it with, well, when did the actual story? Well, he came back and he told his story. And, and he's fine still. And he had to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and it was the dealing with it that was, you know, I. That's the story. They tied off some loose ends. Yeah. At the end there. You know. Well, it's kind of like what we talked about on Night Shift. I mean, not every movie has to end with catharsis or like all of the ends being tied. Some days, that's just how life is. You walk off into the city and you're like, wow, I got fired today. Guess I got to figure that out in the morning. Like you still have problems that you have to address the following day. And I guess that's just where they left us is kind of in the middle of the story. Yeah. Oh, I thought about you, Jason, during this moment of the movie. We're backpedaling a little bit, but the classic static on the TV screen to create a spooky moment. You know, 1% of that static is um, information left over from the Big Bang. What? Mm -hmm. When the Big Bang occurred, there's a huge radio emission. It's basically this big wave of of energy. And um, when it was first, uh, it was actually, it was detected independently by two different researchers with two different radio antennas. Okay. Radio telescopes. And they both thought our telescopes are broken because we're looking where the big, where we should be seeing some information from the big bang, but all we're getting is this damn static. Right. And, um, that was actually the noise from the big bang. And if you have a TV, an old analog TV like that, about 1% of that static is actually the noise from the big bang. And if you zoom in closely enough with your you audio listeners, boobs. you can hear the bare naked ladies uh, singing the big bang theory. Uh, do we always have to go there? God damn. Do we always have to go there? <laughs> hey, you guys torture me your own special ways. I get to return the favor yeah, whatever can. way I can. So yeah. I wore I I wore a Neil deGrasse Tyson Thank t-shirt. You for changing here. The can, you, can you read that for me? What does it say? Why yes, I can. Uh you can actually see a coffee cup listeners on Adam's shirt with a picture of the universe spiraling inside it. It's a and galaxy. it says Galaxy, I'm sorry. Carry on. That's her universe. <laughs> I'm not reading your damn shirt anymore, slam. Adam Brown. But Neil deGrasse Tyson's <laughs> I love on. the no. smell of the universe in the morning. Neil deGrasse Tyson. See, the- I said universe because it says universe <laughs> on the know. damn shirt, you ass. It should have a picture of Uranus. <laughs> oh, that tied that one off. That joke you? never gets old. It's it's so old, but it now still makes Jason me laugh. is really getting close to slaptastic <laughs> threats over here as well. He's about to join Adam Brown in that boat. You're right. so second oarsman. I wore this for a reason. Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't believe in alien abductions, and his his reasoning is is because no one, not one person, has one 
like an ashtray from the waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> a magazine. Grab it and put it in, yeah. a, put it in your <laughs> you pocket or, pack of matches, or just nothing? a piece of goo, you know? Yeah. And it just coincidentally, this, this guy was naked after five days, which means everything that was inside of him would have been purged out mm-hmm. and he had plenty of time to, to be washed clean of any, any cellular, any remnants. cellular yeah. data or information. And because that would be so critical because you, you would find different compounds that aren't common from a carbon-based, there'd be life something form there, something. something, but not one, not one person, yeah. not not even a pen, or a t-shirt, or any kind of. Wait, are we still, are we still there's, talking there's, about remnants inside of people? No, just, there, there oh, are. It got so oh, weird. What, like if it breaks off? <laughs> oh, oh. I was trying to actually interject something intelligent, and you. Took it there, I guess. Oh shit! Oh, I mean, yes. you're, you're like assumed my role. I'm, I'm poor, the that problem. Poor alien. Here, for oh, sure. I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> Brock, <laughs> Brock, where is probe? Uh, I didn't have a probe, sir. It's kind of like in regular surgery. Oh, yes, he did. did you leave your watch inside that guy, dog? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> oh, like Rolex. We're gonna get so sued by the by the planet well, Earth. You know the DoD has. Just signed a contract. This is the, I saw this on a defense website, not a UFO website. Um, the DOD has got a contract with uh, some some company that they are specifically hiring to test what they refer to as meta materials. That meta materials. Um, that um, the oh, Tom DeLonge, the the former frontman of Blink One Eighty Two. I'm not getting the tie here. He well, he's big into UFOs. Oh, okay. And I he has no this, he has this group called like the To the Stars Academy and something else. And he's he's it's really I, I encourage everyone to go look up the Tom DeLonge UFO thing because it's a weird. He's got like deep connections with the Defense Department, and he's met with all kinds of people, and it's like verified crap too. It's weird, but his group or people that are associated with it or something have claimed we have these materials that have been found associated with UFOs. And apparently the Department of Defense is now going to spend money and actually go in there. And it, like if I saw the actual documents where they're talking about like, well, look, if these are real, this could be really big. So we need to find out if it's real. Uh-huh. And it's just the strangest thing that the one, it's public. It's not like, well, we're going to do it in secret. You got to wonder how much stock they're really but putting the Air in. Air Force at one time have a division that would. Project invest, Blue Book. Pl- yeah, that's yeah. right. Project they, Blue Book. Yeah, Project yeah. Blue Book. Yeah. Um, which I could go on for hours about all this crap. Um, but well, I I'm aware. Because I do, because this is as why far we as remain associates and not friends. What what you were saying, though, I, I agree with what Tyson is saying. It's like even the, that guy was mentioning Kevin Randall, writes tons of UFO stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. He spends his whole life researching UFOs and all this stuff. When it comes to alien abductions, he's like, meh, it's probably got a terrestrial explanation. It just... Doesn't we mean, don't know what it know. is necessarily. Yet. Yeah, it's like I don't know what it is, but and I I, I tend to agree with that because I've yet to see an abduction case that really convinced me of anything. I'm not saying they're lying. I'm not accusing anybody of lying, but or I just, you could go full Bill Watterson and and argue the fact that the fact that we haven't witnessed any extraterrestrial life forms yet is the reason why there must be other life in the universe. Well, there's only two conclusions. I think um, uh, Freeman Dyson said it. It might have, it might have been Dyson, but either it's, him it's or Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. It might've been Pee Wee Herman. Might've been. Either we are alone in the universe and there is no other life or we're not alone. And there is other life in the universe. And both of those are terrifying. Yeah. 
Which answer is more terrifying? Yeah, it's like either way, we're that I don't. Yeah, we're kind of screwed either way. <laughs> so the question is, would you have gotten out of the car? Mm. Was that the Alta Seinfeld measure in this particular case? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because I look back at my UFO sighting, and uh, if do, I could yeah, go UFO. back, but you were on I, the interstate. Yeah, yeah. And that if, wasn't a very easy easy place to stop. Well, if one, if I had an iPhone, which of course we didn't have a phone with us at the time. Fair enough. If I had a phone, I mean, I would lo- I would pay a fortune to go back in time to that day, stand outside with my iPhone, and take snap, some pictures, snap a shot. Know? Yep, take a video. The weird thing, the the sort of the coda to that story is, uh, I was on break shortly after, and I was at home uh, at my parents' house, and it was late at night, and I was. Up and I was getting a snack and I turned the TV on and I just happened to be that my mom had been watching Lifetime and Lifetime no. back then re-ran Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, okay. And so right when I turned on the TV, there's a photograph of the UFO I saw and it, freak, it freaked the shit out of me because it's like, you know, I'm getting a snack, turn the TV on, holy it's following shit. following me around. <laughs> and it, it was a segment from Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my God! You know, um, so this has been this exact image has not only been corroborated by the two of you between oh, tons people that tons, both of you yeah. know as yeah as well as you yourself, Jason, but also on television. So it's oh, yeah. the so is it always the same pyramid shape with the same well dots that one or? that that one is seen a lot okay. that one's seen a lot and it's the only one I've seen so it's the only one I can you know. Because I'm Verify. used to the like flying saucer shape, you know, kind of tabloid sort of stuff. Like, so you know, I've never, flying... I've honestly never heard of the the triangle shape. Well, the interesting thing about flying saucers, Kevin Arnold, um, not Kevin Arnold, um, I can't remember his name. The guy who first the original UFO sighting, Kenneth Arnold, was his name. He was the guy who ushered in the UFO era. He was a pilot. He was uh, in Washington State. He was flying. And he saw these silvery-looking things flying. And they were sort of like, you know, they were kind of wing-shaped, like a boomerang kind of shaped. Okay. But when he described it to reporters, he described the way they were moving as looking like saucers skipping on uh, a lake. Oh, like, you know, flipping rocks. Yeah. Okay. And they took that and they reported it as flying saucers. And from oh. that day forward, in every movie That's in the just 50s, what it looked like. oh, they were okay. flying discs. They were saucers. Interesting. And it was literally because reporters just took what he said and either on purpose or, just or skipping accidentally. Just images, yeah. Okay. They said, well, yeah, he said it was a flying saucer. But wow. he didn't. He said it, it was moving like a saucer skipping on water. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So who the hell knows? That's you not a flying saucer. That's a space station. But yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. That was good. And you <laughs> know it. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, what, so, Jason, I guess we really need to get to why you chose this film, because I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, at first, I thought you and Adam just had this pact where you were trying to mentally and emotionally scar me, because when you told me to watch it alone in the dark, I was a little bit worried. And I was like, oh, Jesus, what am I in, what am I in for now? But uh, it, I, so, I have to know why, why this movie in particular, beyond the well, reason that your first original it, picks were. It, it was, a, no, that is it. It was a backup to a backup. Okay. You know. And it was like, oh, well, what's out there that I, I want to stay with aliens and stuff, you know? That makes sense. Um, so, you know, look, Alta Seinfeld. Yes. I'm going to actually rate this one pretty high as like an eight because I genuinely, I didn't like it the first time. Okay. 
And this time watching it and, and I enjoy the character stuff. So I, the stuff that I found boring the first time I enjoyed more. Right. And the stuff that, you know, was creepy and all that stuff at the end. Eh, I still liked it. So okay. an eight. An eight. Mm. That's a pretty high score, honestly. So yeah, it yeah. improved. All yeah. right. All right. What do you think, Mr. Brown? I enjoyed the waterboarding. Of course you did. Yeah, who doesn't? Of course you did, dear. <laughs> but at least they cut open his mouth and his eye. I, I yeah. did think about <laughs> that, that a little bit until they yeah. filled his eye with this like oh, milky. The, I know. Just, <laughs> my eyes are watering just thinking about it because they. you think they're being somewhat kind because they do vacuum seal Travis with this. <laughs> they do. This skin-like uh, material and... It's literally like vacuum sealing him. They suck the oxygen out of the remaining space. And then he's screaming and you're like, oh my God, he's going to suffocate. No, then they cut a slit for his mouth so he can breathe. And then they cut uh, one of the patches over his eyes so he can see. And you're like, okay, maybe they're trying to calm him down. And then you rapidly discover. Until the needle comes. That keeps changing smaller and smaller. Oh, and that's just the, that's the last thing that happens. Because first they, uh, they tube his ears and his mouth. Uh, Oh God. And that's all before they flipped him over. Oh, I, I, felt like, I felt really uncomfortable yeah. when they did that. Yeah. Particularly, they like, rip all of his clothes off. Oh, yeah. So that's how we make you uncomfortable. I've been yeah. wondering it all was... this time. <laughs> it seems like an impossible feat up until now. Well, but you know, yeah, the... then they fill his eye with that milky stuff. and Oh, God, I, can't, I couldn't handle that. That was I, gross. I, I got to say that the film stimulated a lot of great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The performances and the talent pool they chose for this is... So are you telling us this is the first time you'd seen this movie? This was the first time I'd seen it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, You know, when I I first watched it, I understood that, you know, there was a certain period when people were very interested in in UFOs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure when they green-lighted it, they thought, hey, maybe we can make some money off of this guy's book. But I was watching and thinking of the actors when they were getting hired for this and the guy's like <laughs> you know i was in terminator right and you're <laughs> offering me this <laughs> but but all in all i yeah I, I did enjoy it i'm gonna give it what, what would be a middle of the road ranking It'd be a five as in no improvement no detriment yeah like it's- yeah i had never i had never seen it i remember the advertisements for it okay. but i hadn't seen it yeah and uh, i did i have to say I, I enjoyed it i'm giving it a five okay yeah I'm actually going to stick with you on that one, Adam, because once again, I, I hadn't, I never saw this movie when it came out in '93, so I'd never actually even heard of it until Jason suggested not too many, it yesterday. Not too many people have, and yeah. you know, I'm not even making fun of it because I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, I but, mean, it's a good movie. It's not great. It's not anything that's going to go in any film vault somewhere. But it's, and the acting is surprisingly good, yeah, considering yeah. the fact that there aren't a ton of heavy hitters in it. James Garner does a great job, yeah. obviously. Uh, it's uh, low key. I think that's what I kept appreciating. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. you know, it's like it's an alien movie about an alien abduction, but it's low key. It's and the aftermath. It's- yeah, they wouldn't make this today. They couldn't do it. The whole movie would be him fighting aliens. Well, they couldn't because it's like, and I think I've had this discussion with you when we're thinking about writing and whatnot, how everybody enjoys the catharsis at the end where, you know, the lovers end up together or they got the job or so, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. was achieved. The The ends get tied. This is this is the kind of movie that happens after that, yeah. but in a more realistic fashion. Yeah. It's not, you know, that's why you don't get stories of, oh, the lovers get together. Let's watch them be happy together. Nobody cares to see that except for the couple, the happy couple that's in the relationship. Those are the only ones that care about that story after they get together. Yeah. 
the drama before that is what's interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of what this movie is, is that, you know, you once again, you don't get to the real action of it until the end of it, yeah. but it's really all about the real life drama that goes into yeah. the, the dreadful waiting of, Oh my God, our friend might be dead. We yeah. don't really know what happened. It's that awful waiting to hear the results from the doctor kind of a dread. So it, and I don't know, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat for that reason. If yeah, nothing there's, else, there's a good bit of tension. And then because, you, yeah. and then you feel the leftover, the remnants of tension where this guy is dealing with how to become a normal person and live his everyday life after all this has happened. And even though he, he tells his story, you know, without any real plot holes or anything like that, he tells the same story over and over again and people still don't believe him. Right. So it's just that weird tension that we aren't used to dealing with in storytelling. So yeah. I appreciated it for what it was. So for that reason, especially since I don't have any nostalgia toward it, I have to give it a solid five. Yeah, it was, it was I think it makes sense. Was. Yeah, I, it definitely makes sense. He did have a good therapist. I thought the woman yeah, was fantastic. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, yeah that's she, she came out of the starting gate like, I believe you, Travis. Right. So yeah. like you, I am always here. That, you can find yeah. me whenever you need me. That's the sort of doctor you always always want to have and never get you know like anytime you're ever you know like you have a real problem that's who you want you know but it's never that person it's always like oh were you beaten as a child is that what this is about like they, they want to fight so if we will talk now about there's an your effect parents. they need a cause very well though does your father still abuse you no i mean yes no god damn it she's just planting answers <laughs> ha, in my head ha, ha, ho, ho. is that this one of my favorite jokes <laughs> <laughs> it amuses me tremendously. Lordy. All right. All right. Well, on that hilarious note, we have pretty much hit our time, listeners. So uh, we are in an official. <laughs> you know what the music means? <laughs> I'm being shuffled off. Don't show me the light. <laughs> no, but uh, yes, once again, as always, listeners, you can find us on our social mediums if you care. If you haven't found us by now. We're not sure that you do. We have to thank Mr. Brown, who's in an official heat for appearances on Hindsight is Horrifying against our beloved Katie. So we will see who comes out on top of that competition. And this has been Darth and Jason with our awesome friend, Adam. Adam, thank you for joining us again in the studio. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. This is Hindsight and...